Howdy partners, and welcome to the Howdy Partners podcast, where we give you tactical insights on how to do better in partnerships. So we are joined with Maritz from Dixa, and what I found really interesting about his story was that he gathered this internal alignment, and he's seeing a lot of traction in his program at Dixa. Maritz, why don't you tell us what you do at Dixa, what Dixa is, and then we'll dive into that story. Sure thing. Thanks. And thanks for having me. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Dixa, I kind of consider as new kid on the block. So we're a help desk platform. We play in the same field as Zendesk, Intercom, uh, Freshworks, Gorgeous, Gladly, Customer. I lead up partnerships over here. Uh, I've joined just under two years ago. And it's it's fun. Uh, it's fun. There's, we're starting to pick up some really cool traction uh, in terms of the partner ecosystem and the different departments uh, that are trying to take advantage of it. So I, we've come a long way in the last year and a half, two years. Yeah. So tell us about when you joined, what was the state of the partner organization and where is it now? What's kind of the, the main difference? Um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth because I got... I got some interesting ideas around what you're working on, but you tell me about where did it start and where is it now? When I joined, we probably had an ecosystem of, of integrations. Uh, I, I don't think there had been uh, a number of partnerships that were really pointed and driving at the time. So the different departments, your classic ones of success, marketing, uh, products and sales, you know, these different departments, uh, they didn't have as much uh, exposure or experience using the Dixa partnerships at the time. Um, but, you know, that's fine. It's also just a timing thing, as you could imagine. So really the big challenge at the time was getting buy-in from the execs, getting buy-in from the department heads, uh, but then, of course, the individual stakeholders uh, that you're trying to convince of the partnership strategy and tool set. So at the time, we were primarily a Danish Nordics player trying to expand into Europe uh, as well as into the North American scene. And like I mentioned, we have some serious competitors and players uh, that we're trying to compete with. So we knew that partnerships was a route that we had to start. And if, if you fast forward, you know, one and a half, two years, we would say we have, you know, around about 20 partners uh, across both North America and, and Europe. For us, it's appropriate to find a balance across the regions, but also uh, some variety in the joint value uh, with your own product and company. But also you don't want to add too many partners because you only have so many customers and, and reps that you can drive momentum with together. So you don't want to spread your, spread your partner love uh, too thin across the board. So I think if, as a snapshot to where we are now, our marketing team is, is trying to use partnerships everywhere, both on and offline. Uh, our SDRs are pretty hungry to get new crossbeam data for outreach. Our reps are using it in their sales strategy, which is always interesting to see. We're doing introductions to partners for lifetime revenue shares. We found correlation in retention rates of our customers. Um, I mean, you name it, uh, as you both probably know, it takes patience and time to learn a whole other business, let alone your own, and figure out their ICP and a new person to communicate with but and then, you know, I think the ROI is, is massive and we're really just starting. You obviously did some work to gain that buy-in. Um, and so you mentioned that the 
team is now saying we need to do this. This is something we need to do. Like we're we're not going to do this through the traditional means because we've got these large competitors that are you know across the world. So what were some of the things that you did? in terms of changing their minds, uh, obviously, you know, we as partner people, we know the data, but what are some of the steps that you take to gain that internal buy-in and have those SDRs now be hungry for engaging with partners and the marketing team trying to, to, you know, work with partners as much as possible? Like, it sounds like a 180 from what a lot of organizations see where, you know, they're maybe a bit resistant or they don't believe that it'll drive value. And it sounds like they're, you know, crawling over each other to, to work with you. So tell me about the, the steps that you took over the year and a half or so that you've been here building the program um, to gain that internal buy-in. Absolutely. Um, you know, those four classic departments that I, that I mentioned before, as much as I would love, and you probably would like to do it in, in um, any organization, uh, is convince all of them perhaps at the same time, but that's just not realistic. So what I decided to do was look at the, you know, maybe one or two of those departments and focus on them, right? So what I decided to do was look at marketing and sales. Um, and I started to track early, started to track manually and track all kinds of small bits and bobs to show partner influence, uh, right? From mentions in outreach to intel on deals, and paper process and economic buyers to the partner events. Um, as much as I love, and we all love uh, sourced revenue and direct introductions, uh, sometimes that might be too high of a barrier of entry. So it was all that manually good stuff uh, just underneath, which helped me you know, convince those first one or two departments. Uh, we also, of course, like you mentioned, there's a lot of data out there. We have some awesome partner communities as well to show what some of the more mature organizations that have been out there for years and years more than we have, what they've been able to do with partnerships. So while we don't have the same amount of time or we didn't have enough data ourselves, we knew it was possible. So we talked about it a little bit before, uh, Will, but I always found it very interesting to try to pick out some individual champion reps you know, in the different departments and kind of spotlight them um, even in the most minor fashions and, and kind of make a FOMO sense to every other app that they are working with. So if we took an SDR, for example, and he's using Reveal or Crossbeam to mention partners uh, in his outreach and he sees an uptick in the meetings being held or accepted, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them kudos. I'm going to highlight that their manager supported it and uh, show it to the wider organization that, you know, while this might be early days, there's something here and there's clearly some success from it. If you'd like to do the same, you know, come reach out to me or go speak to the SDR because uh, there's something working here. And I would do the same with an AE. Um, yeah, and that's just on the sales side. Uh, I think we've also seen some success of showing that champion light to CSMs and AMs, you know, who make referrals to partners, which of course help the health of their account and the retention rates, but also get some additional kickback uh, for the business. And, and it's even more exciting when you get a CSM and AM enjoying the cross-functionality logic of uh, a greater likelihood that introductions will come back to their sales department if we give introductions to our partners. So that early champion spotlight is uh, a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's quite exciting. You've obviously built up this this good faith towards partners across departments, which is phenomenal. Um, 
in my experience, a large part of that also comes from like the senior management management level, right? To, to be advocates and to actually encourage them to do those things. And so are you able to tell us a little bit around your process of influencing, you know, the C-suite and people that manage those teams to actually also come on board and, and, and really start to, to put partners first? Absolutely. Um, from the marketing side, uh, especially in, in today's environment, um, but also, of course, of last year, they clearly saw that if we are trying to expand a, a Danish brand into their Europe as well as North America, to kind of jump on and use the brand equity of more established partners in those regions was a no-brainer. You can add on top that you share the budget and you know expand the potential pool of leads um, or prospects. In many ways, it's a no-brainer. So that was kind of like a, a win that I got with the C-suite from the marketing side of things. And it went similar fashion uh, for the kind of CRO and, and sales leaders, uh, showing that some of their individual reps were you know, picking up on some fantastic traction uh, using partnerships as a strategy or tool. Um, I did have the benefit, and, and you can imagine that not every company might have this, but I knew that when I joined the company, the, the CEO and the COO at the time, they understood uh, the potential of partnerships uh, and also the investors that we have also have experience with partner-led growth. So it is a side benefit, um, but there's a lot of tactile moves you got to do to convince uh, those others. It's phenomenal when you already have an executive team that buying, because I think a lot of partner people start off with the uphill task of trying to convince people why it matters. And so if you have that layer, it's it's phenomenal. I think the second question I had, which is around more of the more of the tactical for the SDRs, for example, like how to use Crossbeam, how to figure out the data. And so from your position, were you involved in a lot of like the training and explaining for each of those departments around how they could use that data? T talk to us a little bit around that process. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll use Crossbeam as an example. Um, so, you know, I don't blend it too much, but we know that Crossbeam, uh, awesome tool. Uh, they have a Chrome extension. They are able to surface data in, in Salesforce as well. They can generate reports. So when I start found, started finding some of those champion SDRs, I started to work with him specifically and understand how can we get him the best setup possible to achieve the most optimal success just for him. And... You know, he would just build reports of all of his prospects and map it to the customers uh, of our partners. We would work together to understand what is the best joint value wording and sequencing that he can use and use that in his LinkedIn, in his calls, in his emails, um, and make sure that he's also logging which meetings are held uh, or, sorry, booked and uh, through kind of partner mention and which ones not. So he can also do a little bit of comparison. And the moment, I did that with just one or two reps. I would do a further enablement to the wider SDR group with, of course, the approval of the SDR leadership to kind of show screenshots uh, and wording and kind of tactics to investigate, uh, you know, what new angles can you take when you're trying to personalize your outreach and just get those few percentages higher of uh, a meeting held likelihood. That's awesome. So one thing I wanted to pick out there was you were showing the real examples um, from the single individual. And what I think a lot of partner pros try and do is they try and do, you know, the whole team, they'll do a session with the whole team and then 
they're going to be like, okay, great. Now they're going to go engage with partners. When in reality, you know, these sellers, they're not used to this motion. It's, you know, a brand new motion. And when they're looking for these new ways to reach the prospects and they're raising their hand to say, you know, hey, I'll, I'll engage with partners and you give them that enablement, like you mentioned, you only focused on enabling that one, set it up for the perfect scenario for them where they have the tools necessary, they have the reporting necessary. And then I imagine you also helped with the messaging or the partner helped with the messaging. And I think that's a, a really good point because if we think of kind of the the me going to my departments and saying, hey, okay, now go do it. You should be convinced on partners from this one session. Uh, that is not going to truly help someone. Like, honestly, that doesn't enable someone to take action. It gives them some information. But what you did is, again, a complete opposite and contrast to that where you sat with them, you know, you helped them set up the tools, you perhaps set up the reporting with them. And it really showed them the path to that success because they, when they consume information from just a general meeting, and they don't really know how it applies to them. They're going to wait for their manager to tell them this, or they're going to, you know, go back to what they know because that is exactly how they get to that number, and that's what they know of how to get to that number. So I, I love that you focused on the specific splitting stuff down into manageable chunks. I think as as partnership leaders, we go in and we're like, we need to convince everybody in the sales team that partners are the are the way forward, and everybody in the SDR team. And I think. By actually finding those champions, focusing on one person, building up the success and the use case, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to then go into the SDR meeting and be like, look what Gary's done, you know, like look at all the success Gary's had and like all the, all the value and all the benefit that he's generated. And so I think for me, that's one takeaway that everybody should take is like, I know eventually the, the end goal should be to convince everybody in your revenue generating teams that partnerships are the way forward, but actually doing that initially with no evidence to back it up is is exceptionally hard, I would say. And so I really like what Moritz did there in terms of like the let's pick a singular person, build up the evidence and then and then go back. So I thought I'd just chime in and add that because I thought that was um that was a really good uh, good strategy. Yeah. And and you know just to add on top of that, uh you know it, it it's a new business for me as well. Like I, I was joining Dixa, so I'm I'm learning uh as we go along. So I want to make sure that I really test it out with vigor on one rep, make sure we kind of make it as good as possible before we do further enablement to the to the rest of the reps. You know, I'm learning with that SDR too of how to outreach Dixa alone. Um, so it's a learning process. I'm not just teaching. I'm, I'm definitely learning with it. That's a great point. And um, whenever uh, people have approached me for advice and, you know, the first 90 days as a, as a partner person, I always say you should build these internal relationships, not just for future benefit in like a political sense of you can then influence them, but you learn so much by engaging with them. And like you said, um, you got to learn so much by working so closely with the SDR and what's working, what's not. And so I'd love to learn about the direct impact that let's say this SDR, let's use them as an example. What was the impact of them engaging with partners and what are the data points that you then brought to the rest of the team? Uh, I want to get specific here of like, was it higher response rate? Was it, you know, bigger deals? What was the SDR uh, having as an impact in engaging? Absolutely. Um, one side benefit is, is, he, is he's always asking me in a joking way, uh, when is the next partner going to be added onto Crossbeam, right? So 
as a as a side benefit, he's just hungry and, and curious to see who who's up next and who can he kind of utilize for his for his outreach strategy, which is fun. Uh, in terms of you know specifics, uh, he was definitely able to report at the end of quarters that he had X amount of meetings being held, um, and you know more than half of those, I think it was like you know 50, 55 percent. Uh, this was a Nordic SDR. Uh, we're by mentioning, hi, you know, person X, we notice that you're a customer of our partner, a great partner of ours. This is our joint value uh, or integration. You know, maybe this is worthwhile to, to have a conversation, something along. Of course, I'm simplifying. And when we were able to show, you know, that much of a percentage uh, difference, that's, of course, something that we showcase to the SDRs uh, and, of course, to the other uh, reps. But what I actually found, and this was new to me as well, is that when you started off with the SDRs, uh, it, his AEs that he, of course, was paired with that, you know, moved on in the sales cycle, you typically saw that there was an increased likelihood that that partner may get involved in the deal in providing intel or co-selling or, or kind of giving their thumb of approval by so by starting at the top funnel of using it in an outreach and already mentioning it there, naturally, you're going to have it as part of your conversation when you jump on that first and second discovery call. Um, so we also started to see that his AE that he was working with in Nordics started getting comfortable uh, co-selling and learning about our partners far quicker than the other AEs, um, which again was probably one of those first or second AE that I did that champion spotlighting on yeah and it's 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 so interesting because like you think as, as an sdr they're always told hey personalize outreach right like make make outreach personalized and you've basically given him a way to make every single outreach message that he sends personalized because you have the data around solutions that they already use and so i think even if you take that as a microcosm and like even the response rate was comparable let's say you're still making his life a hell of a lot easier by giving him relevant, actionable data that he can put into his into his outreach. And so, um, I always think about like how can you benefit the person, but also you know partnerships in general. And I think what you've done there is not only given him a really easy way to personalize messaging, but again, to your point, then made those conversations a lot more kind of specific based on based on that data as well. Yeah, absolutely. So now I'm curious about the challenges that you're facing today. Uh, so you've gotten to the point where, you know, everyone's climbing over each other to, you know, work with partners and it's kind of going up the chain just naturally and organically with this SDR to account executive motion. And so what are the the challenges that you're facing today? What's the the next phase after all of this buy-in is, is gathered? So it, it, it might be a bit specific with Dixa, but I'm sure there's going to be some takeaways here is uh, over the last maybe two, two and a half years, we acquired three of our partners. Uh, the most recent ones were in March of last year, was a kind of a chatbot, and the other one was a QA analytics tool. Um, and so the first challenge was larger then, it still is, but less, was of course finding that appropriate balance of selling our own products versus partners. Um, you know, it's been a year, and we've naturally started to see uh, where our products fit well and where our partners are actually better positioned. And of course, always putting the customer needs first. So the, the second challenge was uh, how do you provide partner support uh, to the different reps across different regions that have, of course, varying levels of experience? 
um, and of course are also ramping up. And what I mean by that is it, it takes months already for a sales rep to get ramped up on like just your core product. Uh, they spend so many working hours to be a successful seller on that one product. Then you add on top you know, two or three products that you've acquired. They got to learn those too. And we're not even touching the partner ecosystem, which happens to include potential competitors to those tools that you acquired. So it, it could actually be just a bit much all at once if you come in with the partner tool set too quickly to a lesser experienced, newer rep that has already so many products to learn on. I'd be interested to get your opinion on this because it's something I've been thinking about a lot as we start to see this growth of partner ecosystems and, and partner programs in general, there's a very defined role in sales, which is a sales enablement manager, right? Which is let's get the sellers up to speed, efficient as quickly as possible. And so in my mind, there is definitely a role, which I think will come out of this, which is partner enablement, right? Which is to your point, like, how do I get people up to speed on partner solutions, explain to them how to position those solutions and stuff like that. And so I wonder if you've got any opinions on on that type of role or whether you're kind of exploring, I guess, something similar at Dixit to deal with that issue of like, okay, now I need people to know 10 different solutions, one really well, but then another nine kind of well, so they're able to position. Like, any, any thoughts around that? A hundred percent. I'd love to have a partner enablement person uh, yesterday, but I, I work with the marketing team, the sales leaders, the SDR uh, leaders. Uh, I had a call today, a great call with our, our head of account management. You know, what we decided to do while there's an expanding ecosystem here at Dixa, let's just focus on you know, two or three per region um, and nail down really what that joint value is and drive momentum with a select few so that we don't bombard our, our colleagues and team members with too many different products uh, and get them comfortable with just not just learning one or two of our partner products, but then also you know, potentially collaborating with them. Um, so from an enablement perspective, what I definitely saw success in here at Dixa was uh, trying to pair uh, individual reps uh, with partners, um, maybe their counterparts, just learn another another business, another partner, uh, and take it slow. Those, those mini wins are very important uh, when you're trying to make partnerships as a mindset as scalable as possible. I feel like the theme has already kind of been talked about, uh, even in what you just said, but all throughout the episode. But uh, what would be your tactical takeaway for anyone who is, you know, facing similar challenges or working on the program today? What would you say as the number one tactical tip that you would give them? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's cliche or if it, this is something that's already been kind of throwing around. But, you know, considering the current economic environment, you know, so many businesses are being pushed to be as cost efficient as possible. So, you know, here at Dixa, not a lot of budget to expand the partner team, uh, you know, until maybe later in the year or next year. Uh, but we, of course, want to continue generating a serious impact uh, from a, you know, reoccurring revenue, marketing revenue, um, new revenue perspective. So the takeaway would probably be, don't look at partnerships as, as a department. It's it's honestly, it's a tool set, it's a mindset, it's a strategy for departments to take take advantage of. Um, so what I'm doing here is is trying to make mini partner people um, within the different departments, get them comfortable with using it as a tool, um, you know, to put into their arsenal so that they can hit their KPIs quicker, 
better, greater, uh, you name it. So that I don't act as a bottleneck, people get comfortable with it, um, and they can just kind of scale naturally as people learn from one another. Amazing. And uh, like we talked about, start small, focus on, you know, one person, make them super successful, use them as the story to then help others be successful. And like you said, as well, at the end where, you know, you're trying to get more engagement with partners, pair them up one to one. Every salesperson doesn't need to learn about every single partner. They can work with, you know, one, two, maybe three, uh, have some general knowledge about the others. But when it comes to the actual co-sell motion and co-marketing process, pairing them up, I think is, is ideal. So that's amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing this. I feel like we could talk for a while on this because there's, there's so much here, but, um, yeah, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Uh, Ben, Will, thank you very much for having me. It's been great chatting. Awesome.